0: This is Mark from Old Line Spirits, and this is Arch from Old Line Spirits, and you're listening to the Cask Chasers Podcast.
1: Hey, Cask Chasers. In this episode, we're hanging out with Mark and Arch down at Old Line Spirits in Baltimore, Maryland. And this episode is actually a special occasion because we're releasing it the same week that Old Line is releasing their new American single malt, finished in export wine cask. And if you're interested in finding out how to purchase, check out oldlinespirits.com for more information. In the meantime, pour a dram and settle in. This is the Cast Chasers Podcast. So here we are at Old Line Spirits with Mark, with Arch, with the Cast Chasers podcast. This, I think, is actually our first on-location live podcast that we're doing or at least recorded on location so this is kind of a this is kind of a monumental thing for us
0: first and last <laughs>
1: if the stars are aligned after,
2: after the setup we went through to get everything to work it might be our last
3: you learn a lot about who you need on your team when you try to set up on an off site
2: yeah and we need anybody but
3: us is yeah. what we is what we figured right there, and there are, are
1: specific tables
3: <laughs> and they're watching us put this together and they're like I thought they were professionals That's but right. there's 0% chance. How do they
2: make it sound so good at the end? We're just tripping over each other getting this stuff put together.
1: How did they roll in with bags and bags of equipment and then we don't know what happened but
2: and then he just dumped it on the floor. <laughs> you guys are make great
0: distillers. Thank, Thank you. Yeah.
3: It <laughs> make sense. Well, thanks for having us in your uh, in your house. We yeah. appreciate it of sharing your booze with us. We do this because we care and because we like free alcohol. So, mm. that's it's a, it's a long way to go. It's a lot of money to spend on equipment to get free alcohol. It would have made more sense just to buy the alcohol, but yeah. no, but thank you.
2: Like buy the alcohol twice and pour out half
3: of it and we we'd still be more ahead than we are now, I <sighs> Yeah. Think. Yeah, and not in the hole.
1: But then we wouldn't have these golden audio recordings of how delicious the alcohol is. So,
3: Indeed. So, a lot of our listeners know we're um stationed based in uh, Maryland, I think is the right terminology, right? Yeah. Um. So you know, Old Line is in Baltimore, and didn't start. I use the word based or station because they're also military folks, and uh, that's why it's appealing to me. I don't know if I told everybody this. Thank me for my service, but I was in the military, so you well, uh,
4: didn't even give me a chance. <laughs> on that. I know. I know.
3: Just I, coasted I, into it. I tell people. So uh, we <laughs> got a couple <laughs> of Air
1: Force,
3: are Air Force pilots, right? Is that right?
1: Oh man! Oh god! Oh
3: Stop no! It. Stop it! <laughs> I'm kidding! I'm kidding! They're uh, actually cousins of mine. They're Navy, which is uh, which is uh, which is which is fine, which is okay. Um, and they make an amazing whiskey too. So not that there's anything elevates. wrong with that. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. We're good for a good ride. I like it. you <laughs> go.
3: So tell me, and either one can jump in. How do you go from flying kick-ass planes in the kick-ass Navy? to making kick-ass whiskey where what what does that elevation look like
1: and maybe as part of your story you can tell us your names and a little bit about yourselves because these are new (laughs) voices for our listeners thank
3: god we
2: have her Mm. let's introduce let's introduce them you want to introduce (laughs) them katie
1: yeah mark it's on you (laughs)
3: hey
4: uh i'm mark mclaughlin one of the co-founders of old nine spirits
0: arch Watkins, the other co-founder Pretty painless.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You guys did really well. That was a solid podcast introduction. <laughs> so, yeah. So how did you guys get into Well, how did this? you
3: how did you meet, oh. first off? How did how do you I'm assuming in the air. <laughs> widely, yeah. Mark was going east. I was going west. Right. Right. Uh, I was like, who is
0: that guy? Uh he's way off altitude. <laughs> that's right. uh, he's upside down. <laughs> wow. Uh, he's
3: drunk. Let's make a distillery. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: I'll I'll start with how we met.
3: Um, and I'll turn it over to Mark for uh, how we
0: transitioned to what we're doing now. We were uh, stationed up in Whidbey Island, Pacific Northwest. Uh, we're um, EA6B Prowlers uh, go to live in the Navy, and uh, we we're in different squadrons. But uh, there's a there's there's something called an officers' club where you go get drinks on uh, Fridays, and uh, that's where you kind of see been all your friends and whatnot. Been kicked
3: out of many of those, yes, yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, and. Uh, yeah so we we knew each other through uh passings uh you know uh, I kinda like the cut of his jib he uh he knew how to handle a bottle um he seemed uh, a little bit like a wild card to me at the time um he didn't have a beard, so he was a little more potato face back then <laughs> more like me now uh but tall. This is this is just a bashing session.
1: Yeah. Uh, this is this is the roast. Of the are, of you guys didn't
2: know we're doing we just doing therapy today.
3: Somebody's a storyteller. That's all I'm telling you. Yeah, uh, painting, painting the picture.
0: Well, we were in different squadrons, and we and we were kind of on our own little uh, timelines. Personally, I um, I got out in some year I can't remember, and um, ended up, but I wanted to keep flying uh, after I left active duty, so I joined um, a reserve squadron out of Andrews Air Force Base. Mark. I believe had the same kind of notion and we ended up coincidentally as neighbors here in Baltimore um, with some other Navy friends that lived in the neighborhood. Uh, so it wasn't really that coincidental, but uh, we reconnected there and we were also in the same reserve squadron. We got to continue flying and um, yeah, kind of rekindled the friendship.
4: Yeah. And as far as... Um,
0: you know, he, he grew a beard out, and that made it a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, that's
3: right. <laughs> then you, you could look has, at him. They're identical. For those that don't know, again, on their website or whatever, they look exactly the same.
2: L- literally no difference. No
3: difference, except for one has a beard, one doesn't. That's not true. <laughs> 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 Irish ginger every here Yeah, yeah. Right? No, no. They couldn't be different people. <laughs> this feels like a setup or an
4: intervention or something, but I feel <laughs> like I'm on <laughs> the wrong end of it, whatever it is.
1: You're being punked. So, so you're wondering, you're
4: wondering why, why we called you here today. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so as far as how we got started, uh, I guess it goes back... I mean, uh, well, 2014, even before that, uh, so like Arch mentioned, we were in the Navy together, you know, flew together, uh, became friends. And Arch was an engineer uh, in a civilian role, and I was an investment banker. Uh, I was really unhappy with what I was doing, it wasn't really a good fit for me, and always wanted to do kind of my own business, was really interested in, you know, the distilling world because I love whiskey, and, you know, I didn't really know much about it except that I loved it. Um and it just seemed like there was a big business opportunity coming when you see what happened with the wineries in the past thirty forty years, the breweries in the past twenty years. your distilleries and uh you know american style whiskey in general was really just blossoming so it seemed like a great opportunity, so quit the quit the distillery, uh, and then within a couple of days, met a gentleman at a distilling mm-hmm. conference. Quit the bank. Quit the, um, oh, quit the bank. bank. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Thank I, I, was like, I quit the bank. That's
3: how much he drank at the bank. <laughs> he called it the distillery. This is actually his oh, third distillery.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> trading in money, trading in liquor, whatever. So uh, I
4: left the job at the bank, and within about four days, I was out in Seattle for a wedding, and there happened to be a distilling conference. The American Distilling Institute had their annual conference in Seattle that year. So I was just, you know, shaking hands, trying to figure out, like, what is the first step on starting a distillery? I had no idea. Um, Showing up there, like, I knew I knew nothing. And then showing up there and talking to people for two days made me realize I knew less than nothing. I knew, like, I mean, I was like, oh, my God, I quit my job and I have no clue what's going on. Uh, Ended up bumping into a guy out there who owned a small distillery out, coincidentally, where Arch and I used to fly, out in the Pacific Northwest, uh, called Golden Distillery. His name was Bob Stilnovich, and his business partner was kind of Jim Caudill. Uh, Bob was a Army uh, infantry Vietnam vet, and Jim was a Navy vet from that same era. And they had this wonderful little distillery, um, and they were looking to pass the torch on it because Jim was terminally ill. Uh, so it went from being this kind of fun retirement hobby. They were do- small, small, you know, 1,500 square feet arch, 2,000 square feet maybe, um, this little distillery, and they were looking to pass the torch and, and you know, we were looking to get into this business. So it just seemed like a great opportunity. So uh, ended up being something that Arch and I originally thought we were going to start something from scratch completely and make bourbon, make rye, you know, bourbon, the quintessential American style whiskey, rye, the quintessential Maryland style whiskey. And as much as we love those two categories, when we met Bob and realized what he was doing was new and different and, you know, going to be one of the next big things. And the fact that he was willing to let us you know, literally move out there, live in his guest house and apprentice, it was an unbelievable opportunity. So, uh, it just you know, this opportunity presented itself to us, and you know, of course, we didn't immediately say yes, but it was very compelling. And after a few weeks and months of kicking it around, you know, we raised money from friends and family, and ultimately we went out there and lived in the guest house and became part of Bob's family for a while, and and here we are. So that's the quick and dirty.
2: So I I, I want to jump in just for a second because you just said twice that you lived in their guest house, and what. I probably say it at least every other episode, just about how giving and how human the the, the whiskey people in the whiskey industry are. Yeah, and like that's uh, I've never seen any other industry where like everybody just. I mean, maybe it's just the booze and everybody's really back. Ah, come live in my guest house, and now I got to live with it. But like I I've encountered that time and time again, and just to hear you guys echo that, like yeah, they just said come live in their guest house. You know, that's that's awesome to me.
3: Well, there's a passion there too. I mean. You see, it was terminy, terminally ill. So he, there was this almost like mentality of he wanted it to keep moving forward. And that's – I respect that so much. There's an art there. He saw it. They saw it. Who do we pass this torch to? And thankfully, it was to you two because, I mean, we're going to dive in here in a minute. You might you make an amazing spirit. I mean, it's really, it's really fantastic. Um, so American Single Malt, that's kind of – I don't know if we can say the new age, the new movement, but when people think single malt, they they think Scotch. They think, you know, Scottish whiskey. That's where it is. When you think American, you think bourbon. There's actually an argument where everybody thinks American whiskey is bourbon, and sure. that's it. What is that single malt movement, and how does that look like to you, and how does that step outside, you know, the American norm, I guess?
0: Well, Mark has a great way of describing what uh – uh single malt, American single malt is, and he relates it to the uh, to IPAs that came up in the, in the 90s.
4: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so you had the, in the beer world, the IPA isn't anything new, right? It's become a big thing in the past, you know, 20, 25 years, but an IPA goes back hundreds of years when the British, you know, colonized India and they would send beer that had more hops in it to, as a preservative to survive the voyage to India. And as a result, the beer that was received was, you know, hoppier and became an India pale ale. Uh, you know, Americans took that concept and just do what Americans do. We just make it bigger, more, different, you know, all these things. And now the American IPA becomes such a big, big thing. Uh, What Arch and I are trying to do in in our peers in the industry is something with uh, single malt is taking this concept that's venerable. Scotland has been making single malts for forever. Um, And they're doing amazing things and they always will do amazing things. We're not trying to supplant them. We couldn't do that, but we are trying to take that idea and bring it out of Scotland into, into America where, you know, we're beholden to fewer restrictions. So it's taking something that existed already from the UK, coincidentally with the IPA comparison, and then bringing it here and doing what Americans do and just making it, you know, not necessarily better, but as good, we hope, uh, and different. How
1: right. much free reign do you guys think you've had in pursuing that American single malt versus if you'd gone after primarily a bourbon or a rye or something that is a little bit more sure. regulated?
0: It's a uh, it's double-edged sword because the... Single malt category is very nascent, as we all know, uh, the American single malt category is, and we we get to w- ride that wave, or we get to help form that wave uh, as it as it grows inside uh, the United States, uh, whereas it would be a lot easier to go do a bourbon because that's I've clearly established for a rye. But at the same time, that marketplace is very, very crowded. Uh, so how do you stand out as a bourbon or a rye, these days? is difficult, uh, whereas seeing now as American Single Malt, we're the only American Single Malt distillery in Maryland. Other, other uh, distilleries do make Single Malt uh, as kind of one-offs, um, but that that is our focus. That is our passion here in Maryland, and we want to be even more than a Maryland Single Malt producer, obviously, but uh, so on one hand, it's it's an education piece to get consumers to to maybe put down the other bottle of whiskey and grab this, uh, this new thing called American Single Malt, but Also, we're not competing with that. You know, it's not an entire shelf of bourbons that we're having to, to, you know, create a fancy label to to pop.
2: So um, to spin off that a little bit, since we're talking about American Single Malt and the category itself, can one or both of you just talk about the category of American Single Malt? Because I believe right now, unless I've missed something in the past several months, it's still not legally defined the way a bourbon is or the way a scotch is. Like, it doesn't have a legal definition. Obviously, we're using hundred uh, percent malted barley but aside from that are are there not necessarily regulations but are there things that kind of everybody doing it is kind of doing the same unless and until it becomes something more regulated
0: yeah there's um there's a american single malt commission yeah is that craft commission. commission yeah uh and it's there are uh, do- dozens if not 100 single malt distilleries in the country right now and they've kind of banded together to try to get american single malt defined. Uh, with a standard of identity, the same way that a bourbon or a rye has. Uh, to your point, that, that doesn't exist right now. Um, so, we think, you know, for, for those who follow whiskey, when they think single malt, hopefully they're, they know that it's 100% malt and barley. That's one of the defining characteristics uh, from one distillery. Um, and that's, if you were to go to Scotland, that would be what you you, know, you see single malt on the shelf. That's 100% malt, malt and barley from one distillery. And there's some other things that go along with that. Uh, one thing uh, that, that separates us from scotch scottish uh single malt is um we at least at old line age our single malt in fresh first use barrels just like a rye or bourbon and that kind of what is what americanizes it and that really is is a defining differentiator between us and what's happening over in uh, scotland uh, but to the question of the standard of identity well a lot of the american whiskey um standards we require Require first use barrels, so I believe that the American uh, seagull Commission does not require first. We we love that because it, it allows for innovation.
3: There's so a bit of freedom know. there.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fewer the uh, the restrictions are, the the, the greater the innovation uh, possibilities are. So for for you guys, it, do you, if if you, if you had to write the regul the regulations
2: as to what the what the identified defined legalized american single malt is going to be would it literally just be 100 percent malted barley no just just barley and water like what 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 would you define it as if you were write, writing it into today
0: i think uh yeah primarily that and from one distillery um yeah, you know, there's such a thing as a double malt, which would be two single malts from two different distilleries, Mine, yeah. Uh, so
2: a- age it in whatever would you like. Yep.
0: Yeah. But 100% malted barley, all from the same distillery. Right. And that's really from a consumer standpoint. I think that's all they need to know, right? Yeah. Uh, I it's it's I all malted barley. Uh,
3: I think it's interesting because you we talk about when you hear malt again, you can't help but compare to Scotch whiskey because that's what they are. Um, I think of you know Invergordon, which is one of my one of my favorite. Um, scotch um, grains and they're a grain specifically a grain distillery and they're kind of going pun intended against the grain because they use multiple grain they don't just use malt here's the reverse in america you you think american whiskey people want you know they think bourbon They, they don't typically think single malt but the single malt movement to go back on that it's a unique grain it's a very flavorful flavorful grain and to put it up against a new charred barrel brings out a lot of other notes too it's it's bourbon-esque but it almost has this other avenue of flavor to it that there's a complexity a softness it plays well as a cast strength which thankfully we'll get into Mm -hmm. its secondary finish as well um it's a fun grain i imagine to play with versus like your rye which is i hear a nightmare to yeah. to play around with so uniquely and you're getting it from i'm i'm assuming sourced if not locally somewhere in the united states i don't know how much barley's being grown in the us i eat a lot of wheat bread so maybe it's coming from there but i don't know <laughs> but it's a it's a neat grain and it's a flavorful grain which is why i like scotch so much and but it's complex sure. it's not one note so I mean yeah. can you talk about about the grain itself? I mean
0: well um to your point you know we're we're uh, the United States is primarily a corn uh growing country, wheat uh as well And, you know I might be maybe there's more wheat than corn, but I imagine it's mostly corn uh followed by wheat and then really small quantities comparatively speaking uh barley. And I think breweries probably snap up most of that barley. Um Distilleries, uh, almost all um, bourbon distilleries and rye distilleries, use a little bit of barley for the nutrients they add and a little bit of the complexity that you mentioned. But uh, clearly, as we just talked about, there's not a whole American single malt is or single malts are uh, pretty rare. Some of the bigger distilleries are getting into it. Maybe that'll drive some barley growth. All of ours uh, comes from Pacific Northwest, which is where we did our our uh, apprenticeship, and that's kind of key you think about weather bands um up there it's kind of similar to scotland Mm -hmm. kinda similar to germany where also a lot of barleys grown um so that's primarily where our our barleys we use a two row barley which is uh um this is a great whiskey making barley and we use this uh c120 deep kiln roasted barley which adds uh, a little bit of caramel a little bit of a little bit more vanilla in there. Um, not a lot of ethanol production capability, but it, it adds a nice complexity, nice round um, edge to it. Um, yeah, it's it's a it, our our mash bill is very simple, very straightforward. We're working on some more fun, complex things, but probably just a very simple, high quality, easy drinking whiskey. We want, and this is something that was taught to us by our uh, by our uh, mentors
3: out at the West, well, like good this. beer good whiskey you know it kind of flows through
1: well and that's that's one of the things i think is the most captivating about this whole concept of the american single malt right and we've talked about even doing an episode that solely focuses on that as kind of a new phenomenon but it's really interesting to kind of see some distilleries like old line like you guys selves that are are breaking away from some of the quote-unquote traditional american whiskeys and saying you know what Just with this concentration, with the single malt focus, we want to stand on our own two feet with the product that we are creating here because that is enough. That can compete with other single malts, dare I say. I I love that. And
3: and imagine, and kudos to you guys, you know in the world of whiskey it's saturated there's a lot of distilleries out there sure. we have friends who are and i won't mention names now because i don't want them to they're on a list right we have friends who are i guess you could call them instagram stars you know and you know people out in the world of whiskey that do different things and i was bringing up you guys to them and they live all the way out in colorado and the and the thing was i said hey you should check out online dude i've been looking for them I'd actually like to try that bottle. I want to get it out here and be a part of it.
4: It's out there now. You know what I mean? <laughs> so,
3: it's it stands out. Sure. You know, it's not just another bourbon. Nothing wrong with that. I respect the guys out there and girls out there making new bourbons every day. But that single malt aspect of it kind of peaks. It piqued our interest. I mean, that's, you know, one of the reasons we're here is sure. interest. And then it turned out to be... Thankfully, delicious. Because if it was terrible, <laughs> this would have been an awkward podcast. So, Five
1: minute podcast. There's,
3: there's
4: also an interesting timing component to what Arch was saying about where the grain comes from. You know, it's a short weather crop, uh, mm-hmm. short season crop, rather. So it does better up in the northern latitudes, so Washington State, upstate New York, but Canada provides a ton of the barley for the whiskey production and the beer production in the U.S. So if you have a, a brewery in St Augustine, Florida, or whatever. It's not locally grown barley. It can't be, right? But it's fine. They, they get it from a malt house. It comes in. It's, you know, great grain and they make they beer with it. Um, but the reason that we are able to do what we're doing in more than – like we already mentioned earlier how the kind of the brewery revolution opened the door for the distillery revolution, right? From a, a marketing and, and kind of market preparation perspective. But now you also have the same thing just from the availability of grain because you know now that you have breweries in Florida and Arizona and places that are so far from where this grain is grown, but the demand is there everywhere for this stuff. Um, now it's available, and that's where people like us can say, "Well, shit, the grain's here now. Why can't we do a single malt just like they do in Scotland?" So you know, we owe a lot to the
3: ground. Uh, ground maybe product. better. Uh, we'll see. I mean, yeah. Time <laughs> will tell. I'm biased, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> expecting all of you guys to say so today. <laughs> can, can I ask? A, can I ask? A, yeah, can I ask a huge favor? Can we drink some? Is that okay? Could we? Can I we thought, do I that? It was another bathroom
4: break you're going to yeah, ask for. I mean, no, no, nineteenth <laughs> one today.
3: We've had tea. We've had water. You think you'd come into? No, we've been. We've been. We've been sipping from their barrels since we got here. <laughs> we, we pretend like it's a long setup with the podcast, but again, that's just to get more whiskey in us. That's because we've been sipping from the barrels since we got here. That's, that's right. I have now. a barrel in my lap and a straw, <laughs> and I'm just, for the visual out there.
1: Crazy thief into a straw. Yeah. That's what's happening right the now. Crazy, crazy, crazy.
3: thief. <laughs> like a twisted thief. Like you
1: the, guys, You guys can sell it in the shop. I mean, you heard it here first.
3: This is for alcoholics. This thing is for alcoholics. <laughs> so um, what are we tasting first? Uh, we'll do the, the cast strength uh,
0: American single malt first. It's, uh, let's talk a little bit about, just quickly, what, uh, what's going into this. So uh, as I mentioned, it's 100% malted barley. There's two grains, the, the uh, premium two-row malt, the C120. Um, and then it's going into a first-use white oak barrel where it's going to draw out all these really nice caramels and vanillins and uh, a little bit of fruitiness in there as well.
1: I, I definitely get the fruitiness, like, right on the nose. It's this beautiful cherry that I just just want to bathe in it. It's It smells so good, and spoiler alert for everybody listening in, we started tasting this a little bit earlier into the tour, and it just—the finish on this is very well-rounded. We'll get into that in a second, but in the meantime, I'm just savoring this.
3: If—, if- So, if you don't have friends that are in a distillery, get them. Because coming into a friend's (laughs) distillery is like going into an Italian mother's house. They're going... Your hands are empty and they you're going to put something in your hands. They're going to fill it with something to drink and they're going to make sure you're fed and they're going to make sure you're, you're sauced in this case. So that, that is an obscenely apt. Analogy. Highly recommend. Well, my wife's Italian. So every so time I walk, every, every time I walk into her family's house, there's a plate ready. I'm like, you didn't even know I was coming. What's the matter? You know, eat? <laughs> you, you know it's the same thing here. You just, like it. Would you guys like some alcohol? You guys have that? Oh yeah.
1: Here? You have that here? You already had some? Have more.
3: Have more. Have more. Have more. Your glass is empty. I've noticed.
2: So this 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 cast strength, um, uh, Dana, Bobby's wife, actually purchased me a bottle as a gift for putting up with Bobby, and I said thank you. <laughs> it's a true um, story. It, it is a when,
1: true story. When's mine coming around, Dana? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait, kidding. <laughs>
2: wait till you see the load of stuff you're getting for putting up with the two of us. Um, but uh, I was I was like, oh, thanks. You know, I you know I you guys know I, I love your distillery. I've yet to have a product that I didn't like, and I opened this, and I. I sat with just nosing this for like 15 minutes before I even got to tasting it. And just the nose on this, it's yeah. like, it's it gets it's, to me.
3: It's, it's very powerful. So, what I like about a single malt is, other than the fruit, that, that chocolatey caramel, there's a strong nuttiness. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like a roasted nut that yeah. I really dig. But when you taste it, that nuttiness just gets wrapped in that cherry, yeah. chocolatey roundness. It
1: melds together really, really well. And which, the heat ugh.
3: the heat's beautiful. Mark, what is the what's the proof on this? What What is... This was 121.8 at, um, right there, in this particular batch. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's so,
4: yeah, entry proof 120 and it goes up a bit.
3: Fantastic. I mean, no, non-age dated, which you know, we know we, our opinions on if you're listening to the show, our opinions on age is varied. I don't care, to be candid. I,
2: and I mean, that's that's me too. Yeah. I, it's, I mean on, on some, to me age is... With, with your bigger distilleries, at least, age is a descriptor of maybe its rarity more right. than anything sure. else. has
3: nothing—I mean, yeah, it—, it How much is left to, in the barrel? How, how much whatnot. is left
2: in the barrel? Oh, you've only got a quarter of, the bar- of this barrel left? Guess what? You're paying $2,000 a bottle,
3: you know? So, we talked about before there's no really regulation to age. It's not like a straight bourbon or anything. Is it safer with a malt, or is it—I'm just— I'm going to come out and ask, is sure. this younger? Is this, where are we at wise?
4: This one you're sipping right now is one of the last of our, this would have been just under three years actually. Wow. In a smaller barrel. Yeah. Um, That's insane. Yeah. It's it's the trick with the small barrels, they're very tricky to use uh, and they have a, a, I won't say a bad reputation, but there's a lot of uh, caution around them for good reason, right? But the really the issue I think is you have guys using small barrels typically are younger distilleries like we were when we were using them and- the reason is, obviously, you need to put it in the barrel, age it more quickly, and then, you know, pull it out and make revenue and keep making whiskey. So we started off with small barrels, and we've, you know, since emptied the last one, now we're all almost entirely in the traditional 53 gallons. Where I'm going with that, I guess, is um, a lot of new distilleries, they haven't really figured anything out yet. They don't know how to ferment properly, and I'm not faulting them. you got to learn, right? you got to trial and error, do it do it over and over again and figure it out. So you're, maybe the fermentation is going off, you're not distilling it quite right. Uh, and then it goes in a small barrel, so you're putting something potentially not great in a small barrel, and you, what you get out is something that's not great. That's where the reputation, I think, sometimes comes from as far as small barrel whiskey being not always the greatest. What we had is we had something that we had t- taken over an existing operation that had been going on for seven or eight years, and these guys had it dialed in. They The distillate, the fermentation, the distillation was, was really, really good, so we felt supremely comfortable Picking up that process and continuing to use small barrels for a couple more years because we knew for certain what was going to go in was going to come out and be this.
1: So did you guys get when you when you took it over? Did you get like a full tour, like walk through, like here are the books, here are the secrets, here's here's uh, the secret recipe?
4: Books? I don't think there was a book in that place. <laughs> <laughs> there was, hey Bob, it was. Yeah, like Arch and I showed up with literally notebooks in hand and very quickly learned, like, this isn't really a notebook. And I mean, there were some notes to take, of course, but it was very much uh, Bob had, you know, trial and error done this for seven, eight years. And, you know, for example, I remember day one, one of us asked, Hey, Bob, how come you mash in at 165 degrees? And he's like, I don't know, man, I just do. Like, you know, it was just, that's yeah. just what he did. And it worked, yeah. right? And, When we uh, so we you know we wrapped up that operation and moved it back to Baltimore and a big part of our story is that it took about two years to get open in Baltimore. There was a number of headaches with primarily with um, with like just getting the lease set up and the Mm -hmm. building built out and all those things took a lot longer than we expected. So we found a distillery in Columbus, Ohio, that was willing to let us gypsy distill with them. Uh, and go out there and work with them, use our grain, use our yeast. A lot of other distillers are very wary of anybody else's yeast entering their facility. Mm-hmm. They felt very confident in their procedures and their ability to, to do that safely for you know, so that the, there wasn't any sort of um, kind of cross-pollination, if you will, between the, the different products. At any rate, those guys, as Arch puts it, that was like our master's degree program. So they took what Bob had taught us. And, you know, it was, Bob was like, you know, your grandmother teaches you to make a cake. Here's step one, step two, step three, and it'll be delicious. But, like, Grandma doesn't know why you bake it at 350, right? She just does. These guys help us break it down. And then um, really for Arch and our distiller, Jerry, you know, they kind of got the master's degree um, of the, you know their, their chemists and their engineers and whatnot. Um, and I think I got totally off topic from, from <laughs> where we started. <laughs> on well, that's, that's what the show's about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a journey.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's a chase, you well, we might say. Ours, yeah. um,
4: but it's, uh, yeah, so the, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a great malt. I mean, it really is. I think that we're very, very fortunate to uh, have had the circumstances aligned where this is the direction we took and we're very, very proud of it.
3: Well, the cast strength is beautiful. I think the cool thing about a cast strength, that's like inviting somebody in your house that you trust, that your friend, you didn't clean, you didn't do anything. It's just... They're family. It's just
1: <laughs> <But better>. family. <laughs>
3: you really taste the, f- the thumbprint, I think, in a cast strength and, um, you know, tooled in a little bit and everything, trial and error, like you said, but it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Thank you. Thank you. I hope the next one can stand up to it.
0: Uh, I think you'll really like the next one. Uh, we'll get to that. Uh, one thing I'll say also, what's interesting about an American style single malt, particularly one that's aged in new oak, the idea of taking a Scotch single malt and putting it in a cocktail seems foreign, right? Oh, Yeah, uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, and, and there's a there's there's a whole like piece of romance that's built into this this glass of whiskey, right? Where, where you would never consider putting it in the cocktail. That's a lot of marketing. Uh, and it's true too. There's the, you know, the marketing is built around a nugget of truth, but it also doesn't work well in a cocktail. In most cocktails, there are a couple that are designed but very few, like you maybe think of two and there might be like a handful in the world. Yeah. Um, when you age a whiskey in new oak, you get all these flavors that work beautifully in cocktails. And what a good point. Bourbons and rye make great uh, you know, alcohol bases for cocktails. And American Small New York does the same thing, but you get something that's a little bit different but really really good. Like our, our our old fashioned which made by American Small whiskey, is hugely popular. And that that's what I the the first time we came here, we came for a year it was like uh,
2: what um, the whiskey roundup. the whiskey roundup, the the craft whiskey roundup. A lot roundup, of fun. A lot of fun, number, and I learned a whole heck of a lot. I even found a gin that I didn't hate, which is high praise for a that's gin. That's another show. <laughs> that, that's for the stars. Praise, there. High praise for a gin, a gin I didn't hate. You put my stamp on that. Aaron Pross doesn't hate this. The old um, fashioned was fantastic, and that's the thing. Um, uh, like uh, uh, Christina, my wife. She stands up. She's like, "Hey, what do you want?" I'm like, "Ah, old fashioned," because you know that's 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 the whi- that's the whiskey thing. She brings it back to me. I'm like, "What's going on in here?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, they're single malt." they're single malt and to to hear you guys talk about how you guys are aging in um and not not in used oak you know in in new in new oak barrels that's um that's i i don't know if there's a lot of uh, american single malts that are also doing that but that that might be just one of the things things that sort of tweaks it and differentiates it for me i love it so
1: so i think the crazy thing is, like, there's so much that we could get into with the cast strength, with the single malt, with everything that we've covered so far. There's also, I believe, a rum finished whiskey in front of us. That no, this port, is the port, port finished, oh, even better. No port. offense to the rum finished drinkers out there.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, the, the port finish is, um, that's going to be a fall release for us. Uh, it's got, um, it's been in a port barrel for six months, got it, um, right out of, right off the boat really from uh from portugal yep. and i mean there was there was port in, like it was sloshing around yeah, like, nice. it was a wet barrel uh, that's awesome excited about that and uh, we we immediately
3: put some um some mature whiskey right on top of it Can, i i like what you just said i want to you talk about getting a port you ship it over it's a unique barrel sometimes you chase that flavor you'll make a whiskey in an you know, annual secondary that whiskey right and then you produce it the barrel's gone you've you've sold all the bottles you think back to man remember that 14 that 2014 release remember that 2018 that stress that i imagine or beating that one year cuz you'll never get that portuguese port sloshed in water came over however it came over that'll never exist again how do you combat that i guess how do you how do you overcome or try to beat yourself the next year if that how makes sense how do you sense.
1: avoid being a one-hit wonder of <laughs> yeah yeah
3: yeah yeah how do you not wonder wall this thing you know what i mean well, <laughs> one of
1: the, it, so to your point every, every release is,
0: might be a little bit different but we're never gonna put anything out that's bad hmm. uh to make it work we we did a blend once um in-house and uh and it was kind of like oh, that was it wasn't well-documented. It was the best whiskey we've ever had in our lives. Yeah. And no one wrote we were it still down. still chasing that point <laughs> no,
4: no, not no one. It wasn't my job. It was somebody else's job. It, it, my job. it was my job.
1: There's a lot of finger-pointing going on right now.
0: And <laughs> I, uh,
4: Literal finger-pointing going on right now.
0: And uh, we've never... Uh, we, we, we haven't found it. Uh, I, tried, I tried to recreate it a hundred times. And, uh, you know, is the barrel age... Like, the whiskey's changing in that barrel all the time. So if you miss that window... Uh, it could be, you just can't get back. You never get there.
3: I made stuffed peppers one time for my (laughs) wife and she's signaling she's here. And I, it was, I don't know, 22 years ago. And I made this stuffed pepper recipe and it was amazing. And to today she'll say, we should have stuffed peppers. I mean, they're not going to be like those other ones. (laughs) And I'm like, No. You just and you know, I winged it. It was just yeah. threw some stuff together. So I guess I mean that's that's but, but
0: the peppers are still good that you're putting out. In no, it's already. still
3: a good yeah. stuffed pepper. It's not yeah. that stuffed pepper. And sometimes I make one that I'm thinking, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. This is way better. But there's nostalgia and whatever. That's right. I feel like the cool thing and you could look at it from two coin you know, the sides of a coin, it's chasing, but the cool thing too is it's what's the it's, next? It's
4: gonna come back. That's I was about to say the same yep. thing. Yeah. It's you know, you just have to accept that there's gonna be these things that are amazing and you don't know why and sometimes things won't be exactly like you thought and just you know a lot of it you can recreate but if you can't completely recreate it you know something else great is going to come along if you keep if your fundamentals are solid
3: we had a dinner where we had um the the door or the stag junior um 15 the 15 or i think it was number 15 the most recent release and somebody was there, and they had had the one before, and they were like, "Ah, oh, it's good. It's just not last year's." And I was like, "Shut up, dude. Yeah. It's it's still good." Yeah, it's always, <laughs>
4: one person always wants to say that. Anyway. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like it's like oh, somebody's gonna say it. I guess it was you.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, was that it's guy. not thirteen? Remember thirteen? Yeah. Nobody. No. 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 I don't <laughs> because we, I don't, we, I'm we not a superhero. That guy. that guy is actually one of the moderators of our. <laughs> His name is
4: Dan. <laughs>
1: yeah. He's a great MC.
4: You know what's a great conversation? My last one before you shut. Yeah. Up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
3: That's great. Well, uh, I um, you can use that if you want. I like it. <laughs> no, it's staying, and that's our tagline now. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Sometimes raw cuts make the best episodes. Okay. Um, I'm excited to jump into the next one and to hear all about it.
1: I, I gotta say, just okay. have you already jumped into it? I've I've been nosing it, and the reason I've been nosing it okay, is Katie. because
3: everybody pull out their letter, Katie. This right. is the way your drinking affects me.
1: Exactly, exactly. Make sure that you're taking note of what I'm saying. <laughs> no, the the smell of this. Okay. It reminds me of walking into a really good ice creamery. Uh-oh. And at first it was kind of feeling a little bit like a Cold Stone creamery, but then I realized like, no, this is this is better. I, it's hard to explain, but just the sweetness that I get on the nose and I, I don't know, I guess just like the different levels of that or the layers of it just come through. And that's what it reminds me of when you walk into an ice cream shop and you just get hit with everything that they have available and then you struggle with picking which one you actually want
3: in the most bizarre way after i nosed it that made the most sense i can't even understand why that made (laughs) sense but it does there is a there's a again a creaminess to it but there's that port dry fruit that kind of like mm-hmm. sh- punches you in the face. Mm-hmm. It's so
2: weird. And I mean, you you guys know that port finish is my thing. I've been blowing up Mark's, Do we? I've, I've been blowing up Mark's phone for the past three weeks. The port finish is going to, we're going to try the port finish, <laughs> the port
3: finish we're going to have. Mark's what, like, what if you Sherry? don't, Mark texted me, he's like, dude, if Aaron doesn't come and drink this port finish, he's going to kill himself. <laughs> <laughs> the,
2: the number of times Mark texted me back, new phone, who dis is ridiculous.
1: <laughs> is that why you've been texting that lately? <laughs> That's
3: right. But what I like about the dude, port can, finish. No, 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 no. Hold now, on. Do you have a side podcast for port? It's just Port Chasers. Port I get on it's like you an, see the <laughs> logo. I'm going to find it. I'm like this son of a bitch.
2: But the thing is shipping containers. That's yeah. right. Yeah. The the thing I love about about port in general, which I I I love a cheap port, I love an expensive port, I don't care. I love port and I love port finishes. The it has that dryness, that fruity fruity dryness, but there's a richness to it as well that you really can't describe, which you don't really see in like your wines. You don't see something dry that's also super rich. But i guess with those fortified wines, sure. yeah, sherries you get
4: it a bit sometimes. Yeah, yeah.
2: It just it just grabs
3: onto it. And that's what I love about, about
0: it. it. And and, and with, with whiskey in particular, it integrates so yeah. well.
3: We love port as a secondary, as an ingredient, really. We um and sherry, I'm a, so to his port, it's amazing. So many faces are being made right now. God, I wish you guys could. But you can't. Guess what you can do? Buy it. So uh, you can come down here. or You can do two things. You can buy it and enjoy it or stop listening to the show. That's the two options you have. That's it. I fire you if you don't get yourself to Baltimore or however you can. So – we, um, I'm a sherry fan. That's I love port too. Don't get me wrong. I've actually picked port finishes over sherry finishes. Yeah, the Glenmo, you like the port better. Yeah, yeah. And we
1: appreciated your better decisions at I that was point. Shocked. Right,
3: right. <laughs> Look, I appreciate both. Yeah. Um, we actually went out and bought um, some sh- sherry, pure sherry. The sad thing about sherry is it's it's really not consumed anymore. On a level, it's you. Act, they actually make it for the sake of whiskey.
4: Yeah. yeah,
3: absolutely. Yeah. Which is a bummer. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about Port. Um, I think Port's consumed Port's delicious. More. Yeah. yeah, more it's, people yeah. consume Port. Port is a delight. You shut your mouth. So we. It is. So it's... we actually went out and bought a couple of um, sherry bottles, um, Pedro Menez yeah. and Aloroso. Some model Alaroso, I don't yeah. know what the brand was, but yeah. And I tried a sip, and I can't remember the brand of Port we had a couple of weeks ago. It was, a, it was actually like a, we had a 20-year and a 40-year Port. It's funny about Port because somebody – Brought out the bottle of port. It was a twenty-year-old port, and they were like, um, "This is a twenty-year-old port." And you're it like, was oh, crap. I was like Oh my god! And somebody else was there. Was like, "I know you. I paid a lot for it." And I'm thinking, because I'm from the whiskey world, so yeah. I'm thinking, 20 year paid a lot." This is. It was, right. was ninety dollars, <laughs> and yeah, they're ninety dollars. I'm like yeah. ninety dollars for. It? I'll buy ten. 20-year-old. Do you buy whiskey because <laughs> this, Cause this it port will...
1: was on the Titanic and it was <laughs> fifteen dollars? <laughs> <15,
2: laughs> That's why I started that other podcast whiskey, so I could spend yeah. less money.
3: <laughs> so, I think for the listeners out there, you know, it's important to if you're going to experience secondary, you know, drink rum, drink port, drink sherry, you'll get a more of an appreciation for this whiskey finished in port mark is Phenomenal! You guys, both of you, is phenomenal. When when is it
1: available again? Because I want to mark my calendar.
4: I think we think October.
3: It's available now. We're physically drinking it. I'm Uh, texting him
2: every. For the regular. (laughs) I know. I know. I'm I'm (laughs) I'm, I'm texting Mark every single day
3: until it's released. Is it today? Is it tomorrow? Is it (laughs) today? Is it tomorrow? tomorrow? We'll make sure you guys. You guys will know. So I get the mail and I got the restraining order, Aaron. I haven't got (laughs) (laughs) you. I didn't get you to sign it yet, but Thanks. yeah, you should know it's out there. Is that why? You, is is that why I'm sitting out in the parking lot yes. outside now? You guys are
2: coming in real clear on the headphones, though. That's great.
4: Well, one of the uh, one of the things we, we were just talking about a minute ago when we were offline for a, a quick sec was so we, you know, we have our sherry finish, which we've done two releases of that. Uh, the most recent one uh, you guys have tried, and that was about fifty fifty uh, primary aging and finishing aging. Uh, so it's told about four years. Which is not usual. Usually it's six six months to a year finishing is about what you do. And we were just, you know, experimenting as you do. And we were very, very happy with it. But I think that our flavor profile is so influenced by virgin oak, right? And two years in a 53-gallon barrel of virgin oak, you get a lot of great flavors. But we think the next time we do it, we actually have four more, two or four more Oloroso barrels out there now. And we put in whiskey that was farther along in maturation. Uh, It may have been almost four years when I went in, and it'll be in there for, you know, Eight to twelve months finishing. So with the port uh, finish that you're tasting now, you know we, we internalized that lesson learned and applied it to this port. So this had uh, whiskey that was about three and a half years in virgin oak and went into the you know the tawny port barrels. And I think that that's really where those really rich, deep, rich stone fruit flavors from the port are mingling with those characteristics we talked about earlier about the cherry and like you mm-hmm. know kind of other kinds of stone fruit you get just in our in our malt as it is. So I think just those things kind of really um, they complement one another, yeah. Um, really, really, really well. So we're very pleased with it.
3: Here's the cool thing about, again, you know, we just had the cast strength. So full disclosure, but the the finish on this is a year long in a good way. It is intensely mouthfeel flavor just continues out. I mean, it's it stays. It's like I, a I like
1: conversation it. that you just want to keep going on with. It you it, know?
3: it it sits in your head. It really mm-hmm. does. I mean, it's 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 very good to the point that. I might buy a bottle. No. Financially invest myself. <laughs>
1: That's craziness.
3: Well, yeah. We
4: have to decide whether we, I mean, so we have four of these barrels and we're probably going to do something where we'll do, you know, probably find an account who wants to do a private barrel. We actually have one in mind that probably will. Um, maybe we'll marry either the remaining three together or maybe just the remaining or two of them and do one at cask strength. Uh, you know, we have a number of different ways we may do it. Uh, typically, we bottle our finishes at 100 proof. Yeah. But, um, but it is always fun to have like one cask strength barrel kind of thrown in the mix just because
3: so just around around the room a little bit and um arch is holding the most adorable kid on the planet wandered into the studio here or the uh, distillery here, just randomly some kid wandered in
1: (laughs) Um, in just asking for whiskey
3: if you've never been in a distillery that actually happens like if you go to the beach you're gonna see you know seagulls if you go into distillery (laughs) kids just wander in it's it's the weirdest it's a phenomenon nobody knows why and bearded people and bearded people yeah (laughs) you know Around it's what, an interesting
1: dichotomy. I'm yeah. curious
3: to know everybody's favorite finish um on on a whiskey secondary there and um you know, you being in a distillery and us, you know, loving whiskey and being an enthusiast, what would you say your favorite secondary or finish, let's stay let's say finish would be? Obviously Aaron's gonna say Sherry. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I will kill you. Yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs>
4: It's a question to me first. Is that whoever, who said, yeah. Let's, uh, yeah. Uh, let's go after it, Mark. You know, I think I'm torn between the port and the rum, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think that if I had to pick one for the rest of my life, I'd be a port finish guy. Um, but I will say that when I'm in the mood for that rum finish, it can't be beat. And whether it's, I mean, I'm obviously biased towards ours, but you have like a Belvini Caribbean cast. Oh, yeah. It's really, really hard. And that's an amazing whiskey.
3: Yeah, it is. Um, I don't that's think a I new to- person, old, whoever, I our somebody new to whiskey I'll yeah
4: Yep, you can recommend that to anybody anybody yeah. who, who doesn't think they like scotch I will point them that's one of the ones I'll point them to and say try that and yeah. uh, just try that if you don't like it then I'll pick you don't it. like scotch yeah exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. but uh, at any rate no, I'll pass the pass the floor or yield the floor rather
2: a port finish. I mean do do we even have to discuss it?
1: Wait, way to dress that up. That's right. I mean, <laughs> We're all like, go next.
2: I, I don't know port. what else to say. I mean You're as deep as a puddle. I appreciate it. <laughs> people who have listened to the show know that I'm a I'm a port guy, I'm a port finish guy. That's my that's my thing. Um there's a there's a couple there's a couple distilleries that have started doing like um uh, peated whiskeys with a port finish. I yeah. haven't tried any of those yet. And that, that's something I really want to start leaning into because I, li- I like a peated whiskey and I like a port finish. I want to, I want to mix them together.
4: Can I, can I yeah. jump back yes. In here? I yes. But you mentioned, uh, Aaron mentioned the, uh, a peated whiskey finish and port. We were kicking around earlier before you guys got here, um, that we would think about putting one of those peated barrels into a, a used rum barrel. Uh, which I don't know. Oh wow! And that just, I don't know not, that I've had right? that either. That sounds
3: yeah. great. Also, I can't think of one. Not even one reason scotch. not to.
4: Yeah. Oh, wait, not, yeah, I don't. <laughs> I one reason not to. And I agree.
3: No, uh, I can't think of a I think, can't think of a distillery that finishes heated in yeah. a. Yeah. Wow, that's fantastic. So that may be something we do. But
1: I'm okay. So I hope we don't lose half of our listeners on this comment. Um, I'm definitely port over sherry. I love that strong, flavorful profile. And, you know, and some of the things that we've tasted on the show before are just the walls of caramel, the sweetness, which is not typically my go-to. I like the smoky, briny flavors. But if you start off with that on the nose, like, count me in. Mm. Um, I've never had a rum-finished whiskey. <gasps>
3: Wait, we'll, dun,
1: dun, dun.
4: I'm tethered to my seat here, but I can take the headset off <laughs> yeah. that one if you want. Yeah. I mean, can you guys
3: <laughs> that's happening live I? without me for a minute? Yes. No. Oh, my Never. gosh. Yes. We'll no rum. second. No,
1: no, seriously. And and the Balvenie, um rum finish that you guys have talked about before. I remember you referencing in season one. I was like, I got to put that on my list. Mark
3: just... couldn't get up
2: fast <laughs> enough. he has gone. The, the, goal, the goal here is to get Mark to give us as much whiskey as humanly possible. I've today. never
1: had whiskey. Period.
2: Here's, yeah. <laughs> what we did is we, we just. <laughs> what can
1: you bring? We,
3: we
2: just we just looked at everything that he had out on the shelf and we were
3: like I've okay, never had that, um, that, um, that. I've never had this thing. That no. sounds That's
1: really good. That's a new thing.
3: So is this a cast? So Mark giddily is that a word? Yeah, Got up. Yeah. R- it is now. Skipped. Proud of you to giddily skipped to his bar over there. And it looks like he's going to come back with something. He's rumpin- coming
2: back somehow with 11 different bottles. Is this a cast chaser's first? Ah! Is this a ca- is this Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, my we're, God. We're this is amazing. Live. I'm getting nervous by how much pressure is now on oh the moment. Oh, my God. He
3: slapped <laughs> down three bottles.
1: Holy shit. Yeah.
4: All right, should, okay. I start, should I start pouring?
1: So talk us through what, what you're about to do.
3: Yes. And also call an Uber. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so we've got uh, a couple more finishes here and then one other uh, kind of special whiskey that we can you know, throw in there if you guys would like.
3: Well, real, before you jump into this amazing roller coaster, we're obviously about to go down. Arch had a step away. Uh, his family showed up and kids and family and whiskey all go together. Speak for him. What <laughs> would you say his favorite finishes?
4: <sighs> I think he'd go rum. He love he loves the rum finish. Yeah,
3: uh, I think that's. That oh, this spirit. is such an appropriate time for him to be here. He's in yeah. he's he's spirit. Ten feet away, but he's with his beautiful family, so <laughs> I don't want to rip him away from. So uh,
4: yes,
3: yeah, so we got our
4: uh, our uh, some more barrel finishes. We were talking barrel finishes, so why why not bring them out? So um, we'll do three more tastes here. Um, we'll do the uh, Caribbean rum finish, which we talked about a minute ago. Um, our Oloroso sherry cask finish, uh, just for you there, Bobby. And the last one we'll do is our golden edition. And I'll explain the, the kind of the heritage and the importance of that one when we get there. But for the rum, Caribbean rum finish as a refresher, uh, we finish this whiskey in our own freshly emptied uh, single malt, or excuse me, uh, Caribbean rum casks. So we have our own blend that we import. Uh, very, very proud of it. Uh, we use that. So we get it in. It's anywhere from 7 to 11 years old. The youngest barrel is 7. The oldest will be about 11 uh, when our blend comes to us. And then we put it back into oak for another year. Um, and we get a wonderful rum out of it, and equally as importantly, we now have a rum seasoned cast seasoned exactly the way we want it. Uh, and like we said earlier, the, that rum and the, the malt just you know they, just, they go marry. side by side, marry well you know, together. They were designed to do that, um, and the end result is, is this: this is our first release of the uh, Caribbean rum finish That's going to be so, the one Katie.
1: I'm making all the faces right so, now. Like, I know. Uh, we need
3: we need a little bit of ceremony to this. Katie's first rum finished. Whiskey.
2: She's so, like a kid on Christmas morning when I the mom's know. like, "Not just yet, not just yet. Don't do even to do it." But so I, do it. <laughs>
3: I have two hopes. I hope a she tastes it and she loves it and it's amazing and everything. And then there's this other part of me that she's like, "Oh my god." We watch and she sips it and she goes garbage and throws <laughs> it. Right. Throws it across <laughs> the room. Or, or, <laughs> or make
1: a very thin comment like. Oh, yeah, okay. It's fine. Oh, that's whiskey.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's smooth. It's smooth.
2: Yeah, oh, what does that mean? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it's super... You'll never um, know.
2: <laughs> Katie tastes it. She's like, mm, so the lighting in here is nice. You guys right, do a good right, job.
1: Exactly. Good. I, okay, so first go. impression. All right, haven't tasted it yet. I've described port-finished whiskeys as being a wall of caramel. This is salted caramel, oh. which is really exciting because I like that more.
3: Deep molasses, um, all that noise. Yeah. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. Like... I feel like, I feel like.
3: I feel like we just whiskey watched. Whiskey and I
1: could be friends.
3: We just watched your first eight, first eighth grade kiss. <laughs> <laughs> like it was magical. Later you'll regret it. Right. Right. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: Which was way different than the seventh grade, the sixth grade, the fifth grade, and the fourth grade ones. That's
3: so. So honestly, yeah. where are you at? It's
1: Pretty magical. No, it's okay. So here are the things that I really like about this. Um, I love both flavors and whiskey. I love something that kind of makes a memory as you're tasting a whiskey and this this one it's just such a blend of things that I like like I get a little bit of the spiciness but it's not the pepper of other whiskeys that I like it's just kind of like a like the sugary aspect that you get to it it's not the molasses brown sugar it's a lighter sugar Mm -hmm. taste like cane sugar I mean that's that's exactly what it is just in a less refined more raw form I guess
3: is as it it's a good finish. Yeah. And I think, we, I think we take that word for granted, that phrase for granted.
1: Yeah.
4: And it's um, and like I said, the mouthfeel with this in particular and then the golden edition, the last one, I think the mouthfeel stands out. And the mouthfeel of our whiskeys is very, very um, – there's a lot of texture, which is wonderful. Uh, and I think this is just probably one of the better expressions of that.
3: So, Arch, welcome back. Um, I hope everything's good with the family. You had a whole um, reunion there, which was great. Um, uh, yeah. I mean uh, – Yeah.
0: Both my daughters are want to grow up to be distiller or work in a distillery, uh, one wants to drive forklifts.
3: Okay.
1: <laughs> I like them already.
0: And uh, the other just wants to like, stick her fingers and things.
3: I can't wait for the one kid to go to school. And what's your dad do? And she's like, forklifts.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. That's He's the like, most, wait. That's the coolest job you can possibly what's, have. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Which I can see the appeal. Which so Center for some forklift dressage classes. We were talking about... <laughs> yeah. Do you know the money in forklift drivers? First off.
1: For, forklift dressage. Yeah. How do you get them to prance like that?
3: <laughs> it's like a picture of field. We're going off topic. We're raising forklifts. This is a purebred forklift. Um, there's a tangent. I'm, I'm not even going to edit that. I'm going to let you guys have that, the listeners, so you know that, yes, they make good whiskey. and they are And they're, and they're real, real people. So Mark spoke for you. We were talking a little bit about finishes and favorite finishes, and he said... He said port would have been or rum, rum. Rum rum, I'm sorry. No, I meant rum. Would be your favorite. We just sipped the rum, your rum finish, which was Katie's first. Your favorite and I exceptional. By the way, bravo, both of you. Was he right? Uh, If this was a dating game, is this did he answer right?
0: Uh, yeah, Mark. Mark knows my innermost
3: feelings, <laughs> sure. deliciously There's very, beautiful. There's very
4: few feelings actually, but yeah, the ones that are there, I know.
3: <laughs> Mark, Mark, I, picture you like, and whiskey. I picture you like at a like a like at a like like at the mall or something, looking for a gift for your wife, and you hold like a set of fur gloves, and you're like. Would like these. (laughs) That is very specific. He would, (laughs) would, you don't even buy them. You don't even buy them. You just, it is fleeting. He would like these. Have you you been following Mark? (laughs) That's right. right. We do our research. Where do you keep your plaid shirts? (laughs) For me, it's beard oil for Mark. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a good beard oil. Like sourced. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. We're going into the sherry, I think you said. Sherry
4: is next. Yep. Um, and this is, uh, Oloroso, um, yes. I think we were offline. and We talked about it before, um, with this one, what, uh, Arch and the guys did was two years in primary, uh, number four, uh, number four char virgin oak and two years in the used Oloroso. Um, you know, Arch and I have talked about it with everything. You're trying to make it the next batch even better than the one prior, right? It's constant improvement. And, you know, I think that we love the way this came out. I think in the future we probably do primary aging a little longer. But this is, you know, we did this, what, 2018 released first one, wildly popular. I, I, this I, one's I, better than that one. And getting, I
0: would uh, say uh, we did 50-50 primary, secondary. I think what Mark's saying we'd probably do uh 75, 25 better way to put it. Better way to put it. Yeah, With the with sherry. Yeah. Yes. Like
4: yeah.
2: uh, Se- seventy five primary and then twenty five with the sherry is what you're saying.
4: Yeah. And okay. that's not to take anything away from this. It's just it's not a quality thing. It's a uh the way I was describing earlier was more I mean cut you off but the it's more of a we talked about how everything we have is in a very um deliberate and consistent flavor profile and there's variances as you want there to be. But you know, like uh like Katie was saying earlier, you pick up one of our whiskeys, you say, Okay, I know this is an old mine. And this you do too, but I think that it's probably the farthest that we've released so far. You know, the port finish, port in general, is going to be more bold, mm. um, and that can be for some people a better thing or, or not. And sherry is going to be a little more nuanced, typically, right? Um, I think there's definitely beautiful stone fruit notes, uh, especially when an oloroso sherry. You get that, but you also get much more of that dry nuttiness, right. right? As opposed to like a you know something like a cream sherry or something, but. Um, so yeah, I think that yeah, to your point, I agree with you that you, your palate has a little more work to do um, on on a sherry cast finish as opposed to a port. Uh, but I also think that Mike, in my mind, the port just those really rich uh, stone fruit flavors. Just for, with our malt, it's hard to beat that combination. Uh, so
0: with a sherry, I think there's there's a little more balance perhaps um, because of those the the stone fruit and the um, the hazelnut nuttiness uh, that balances that. Clearly, uh, the caramel, vanilla, yeah, um, and then just like more sweet fruity notes. Uh, so you, you do get this really nice balanced whiskey. Whereas with a the port, which um, we're still working on, uh, it's in development phase, but it's going to be really really nice. The port is a sweeter wine, right? Like it's gonna like it's gonna accentuate all those sweet notes I just described, and you're going to get something that uh, is both complex and also trends a little bit. Towards uh, bourbon, you know the the sweet cornness of bourbon. So it's going to be. I think port might be a little more. The port finished whiskey might be a little bit more approachable for a lot of people. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Um, Totally agree. Whereas the um, the sherry cask is going to be this nice, balanced, complex. uh, You know, intermediate level whiskey drinkers whiskey. Um, I like them both. I, I can I can do all these things. Um and it's only because that the port is so new with our whiskey, this is the first time we've ever, you know, the port week. was excellent. Yeah. Uh, you know, ask me in a year and I'm and I and I might go back to the more uh the, the sherry after a year of drinking the port as well. But uh they're both they're both home runs. Yeah.
3: You said the name Gold, right?
4: Gold yeah, so the last one is i excited. Golden edition. This is Special for a number of reasons. One, it's basically, almost, you know, we have, I don't know how many bottles left, not a ton. Um, but with, you know, we talked earlier about the Golden Distillery, the guys at the Golden Distillery, Bob and Jim, uh, we apprenticed with them and, you will know, learned the trade and took over their business. When we bought that business, they had done a lot of stuff in the small barrels and they had three 53 gallon barrels. Um, uh, that were uh, they were only like what, what two years old ours or three or whatever it was when we were out there and they were coming along great but they weren't anywhere near ready and we you know they aged about like so four years old and then we bought the business and relocated it here so we let them just keep going and for us it was a great thing because one you know it's the same mash bill as everything you've tasted uh so far um, distilled the same way as we've you know we're taught to distill it was just put into a fifty-three gallon barrel and allowed just to rest and mature and have oxidation do what oxidation does over years and years, and the end result's beautiful. So for us, it's a great indicator. You know, it won't be exactly the same as this because this was you know distilled on a small sixty gallon pot still by Bob Stilnovich, uh, aged four years in the kind of mild, damp climate of the Pacific Northwest, and then aged another five years here in the more aggressive, you know, hot summer, cold winter. Uh, of the mid Atlantic. So, this will never be actually replicated, but it is a pretty good indicator of what our stuff will taste like, you know, at eight, nine, 10 years. Uh, and it's wonderful. It really is. And it, it, it's gorgeous. And it's so different. It's absolutely it's gorgeous. Same yeast, same uh, distillation, uh, sorry, same grain, slightly different distillation process, which Arch can talk to more than I can.
0: I want to I actually go back a little bit on the production side and, and about how really unique this is with the 60 gallon still. Essentially, you know, you fill a 60 gallon still up, you're going to get four and a half gallons of this load at the end. So these guys filled essentially 150 gallons worth of whiskey, four and a half gallons at a time over the course of months. Months, yeah. And then there it sat in the Pacific Northwest in their, uh, their shed, you know, aging area where you know the, the the climate out there was much like Scotland you know out, out there it's you don't get a lot of hot summers or really cold winters you get this kind of like medium thing that just doesn't move too fast and it's very humid and you get these you know somewhat miserable winters that aren't terribly cold but just go on forever and then uh, the summers and they're getting this like this this pacific weather pattern that, that comes through with the humidity and everything else. Wow. And then, you know, at some point in the the, the barrels are already filled when we got there, we get there, we do our apprenticeship, we're learning how to make this stuff. And then we pack everything up and, and Mark drives, uh, which is a whole nother story uh, as fast as he can. Uh, he- heads East. A U-Haul. A uh, U-Haul. Um, and these things end up in our uh, warehouse here in Baltimore where, he mentioned this a little bit, but we get these, these really, like there is a defined summer, a defined fall, a defined uh, winter and spring. And uh, we get this mid Atlantic climate. And that actually, that, that has a, de- that has a definitive effect on barrel aging. Sure. Like that in, like go taste a Montana whiskey versus a Southern California or, or Southeast mm-hmm. or mid Atlantic whiskey. They all, they, they, the, the climate matters.
3: Absolutely, yeah.
0: Um, so these things got four years out in the Pacific Northwest, four years in the, in the uh, Mid-Atlantic. And what you have is something that is almost irreplicable. It's it's something you'll never get again.
1: And I feel like that's that's something from what I've been learning about you guys previously and even in touring through the distillery today and talking to you guys, that's something that I feel like is very unique, right? Because everything here is based out of Baltimore, but with the connections to the Pacific Northwest, with the influence, with the uh, the the barley that's coming in into everything that you're making, there's such a transcontinental effect about this that in a weird way, it seems like you're uniquely positioned to start defining what a single malt looks like because you have the access to all the things that make what we know is single malt, single malt. And you can have an opportunity to to really say what that means I- for this landscape.
3: And I mean this as a compliment to this isn't you guys, in my opinion, in my opinion, of course, aren't a you're 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 in Baltimore, you're in Maryland and Marylanders and Baltimoreans. Baltimore. Don't correct me. No, that's it. That's it. OK. <laughs> I'm surprised. That's, that's it. Should a, yeah. Baltimoreans should <laughs> appreciate that. Right. But this isn't a Maryland whiskey. Yeah. This is a brilliant American whiskey. This is American whiskey, and it it is it sh- it could be, can be, and will be appreciated by everyone. And this is something to be proud of. This whiskey, if you can, if you can touch it, replicate it, get to it. The whiskeys we've tasted before: the cast strength, the rum finish, the port, the sherry. Every one of these things are brilliant. If anything, on our listeners and followers know the cast. Drink, one thing that we pride ourselves on. We won't taste something and stand behind something we don't believe in. It's just not what we are.
2: Like I said, I, I have I have, I've not had anything from you guys that I didn't like. And today I've had more than I've ever had before. And I can still stand behind that statement. And that's, I mean, even your, yeah, even your fantastic distillery. So, I mean, bra- bravo to you guys. So, I... I I, there's really nothing else that I can say thank you thanks, thanks for having us, us. thanks for oh, doing kidding? this whole thing well yeah. this has been
4: awesome yeah thank you guys very very much yeah.
1: yeah I think I think we're really excited to come back because I'm just getting the vibe and also from just the exceptional whi- or whiskeys that we've tasted today that we're gonna be back you know we don't hate it we'll, yeah. we'll stick around we'll come back around <laughs> you guys thanks. are fun to talk to so
4: yeah.
1: thank you both yeah, you so much you guys are always welcome here
4: no, thank you guys
0: So thanks a lot yeah. I mean uh, we're, we do what we can I mean Mark's got a lot of uh, improvement that he could, uh,
4: <laughs> yeah.
1: he could yeah. work on constructive I'm, I'm, criticism. A work, I'm a work in progress. Yeah, yeah. Well, you keep doing you, buddy. <laughs> 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 no, this whole thing has been awesome. So thank you guys so much, and we can't wait to do something else in uh, the next couple months to bring it back to you guys. So, can't wait. cheers,
4: cheers, guys, cheers.